I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu. And on this edition of the show, we're going to be rating Arsenal's January transfer window out of 10. We're going to be breaking down each of the individual incomings. And then we are going to be giving Arsenal a rating out of 10 for the work that they managed to get done uh, during that January window. Very, very, very much uh, looking forward to this one. Look, I have to say at the at the start, um, I'm pleased that the window's closed. Like, I, I'm just glad it's all over. I'm glad that we don't have to talk about transfers anymore after this show, of course, uh, until the end of the season. I'm glad that we can focus solely on the football uh, again, because that's what's important. Look, we can't always control what happens in the transfer market as fans. We can have our preferences. We can have a, a group of players that we feel are the right players to go out and get, but it doesn't always work like that because there are a number of parties involved. And I always say this during a transfer window, it's never as simple as fans make it out to be, myself included. Um, and so sometimes we kind of just have to trust that the club are out there doing the best they can. And I think we can be relatively satisfied with this window. I don't think it was a perfect window. Uh, we'll get into why a little bit later on in the show. Um, but it is a, a relatively good window. And I think it's a window that hopefully gives us enough in terms of additional strength to go on and achieve our goals and achieve our objectives. If I could just quickly ask you guys to leave a like on the video, uh, if you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the channel as well. If you're brand new, that would really, really help. Um, and also, I know that loads of you have done it already, so I'm super, super grateful. But as you may have heard, as you may have seen, I am uh, creating a new channel which will be covering the wider topics in football. It's only a YouTube channel. It's not a podcast, uh, but it is available on YouTube from now. The link is in the description. Uh, if you click on it, it will take you over to the channel. And if you could subscribe, I'd be super grateful because we're dropping the first video on that channel tonight. And we're just 40 subs away from hitting 1,000 before we've even posted. So I'm honestly so chuffed with the support that you guys have shown me having come over from here to there. Really, really appreciate it. But if you could help us get over that 1000 line, uh, I'd be so, so grateful. So the link is in the description. Please do uh, check that out. Uh, let's say a few hellos to people in the live chat before we move uh, into the actual content of the show. Uh, some of you giving your ratings. I'll ask for your ratings and I'll bring a lot of them up on the screen. Uh, towards the end of this episode. Uh, Moss says, is this Harry from the new Harry Simeon show? Yep, get over there and subscribe to it, mate. Um, Moss says, morning, Steve. Missed Harry's reaction to Jorginho, but on another slice, I guess. It's not, mate. I, I didn't do anything on another slice uh, regarding Jorginho. We did, how many streams did we do yesterday? I think it was two we did yesterday and one the night before when the Jorginho news broke. So if you want some reaction on Jorginho, there is loads of it. There's three streams worth uh, that you can go back and check out on this channel. They're not behind a paywall. They are available to everybody. Um, if you are interested in our premium content over on Another Slice, we did release an episode earlier today to the wider audience that was made for our Another Slice members to give you guys an idea of what type of content you can expect over there. It's gone down quite well so far. 
um, I think, looking at the numbers at the back end, et cetera, et cetera, uh, looking at some of the comments. But yeah, check it out. And if you are interested, the link to sign up on another slice is also in the description below. Uh, let's say hello to Zebik, to Matt, to Andrew, to Tired Gunasaurus, to my good friend Harry, to Johan, uh, to BC Biker Bros. I think that's what it says. That's Steve Stone, Mark, Yon uh, Tora. Uh, Mohammed is with us as well, and we've got Bad Boy in the chat too. Hope you're all good. But okay, let's get into it. Without further ado, let's dive into the actual contents of this episode. So, rating Arsenal's transfer window out of ten. I'm going to explain my my stance and thoughts and feelings on each of the signings now that the kind of emotion of the transfer window has disappeared a little bit or died down a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, Okay, let's let's start with the, the elephant in the room, and that's obviously Jorginho, because that's the one of our three transfers that I think caused and sparked the most debate on social media platforms, on platforms like this one. I think a lot of people uh, felt underwhelmed by the capture of Jorginho. I think a lot of people felt um, a little bit let down based on the fact that we were pushing really hard to sign Moises Caicedo from Brighton, somebody that... I guess you could argue would be, it's not even an argument really, is it? I guess you would say is something for the longer term, uh, someone with exciting potential and someone that, you know, would have strengthened us perhaps not just in the here and now, but for many years to come. Whereas Jorginho is the opposite to that. The very nature of this deal, um, you know, is is that it's one for the short term and one to help us in the interim. And, and that has upset a lot of people. Add to that that he's ex-Chelsea and that makes it harder for Arsenal fans to warm to him. Um, but then you put on top of that that actually during his time at Chelsea, there's been a bit of a mixed reaction to Jorginho. Now, I've always supported Jorginho as a player. I think he's a very, very talented, clever footballer. And that goes back a long way with me. It's not something I've just decided I'm going to sort of put across after Arsenal were linked to him. It, it's something that I've often said about Jorginho on various other platforms, that he is a very clever footballer, a very technical footballer, someone that could really help us um, sort of in that deep-lying midfield position because of his ability and capability uh, when it comes to sort of progressing the ball forward. And we brought up some stats on the show yesterday with Tom Canton. In fact, I'll bring them up again just briefly for those of you that maybe missed that show. Uh, total tackles, this is Premier League uh, stats per 90 in this season so far. So in terms of total tackles, he's got more than Thomas Partey, more interceptions, uh, more ball recoveries. His pass completion rate is lower than Thomas Partey's, but his forward passing percentage is higher. So in a lot of the stats that, or in a, against a lot of the measures that you'd look at Thomas Partey for and say, that's why he's very good. And that's why he's so influential. Jorginho stacks up against him quite well in a lot of those and in some surpasses him. Now, that doesn't tell the full story, right? Because that is a selected group of stats. I understand that people worry about, uh, you know, Jorginho's, you know, tendency to be dribbled past or the fact that he can give the ball away in, in certain areas because he does dwell on it just that little bit too long. I get all of that. And those are all valid concerns. But as I've been saying throughout, it's not about whether Jorginho is better than Thomas Partey because he's not coming in to replace him. He's coming in to back him up and to support him. And he is an upgrade, undoubtedly, on Sambi Lakonga in that sixth role. And he's definitely an upgrade on Mohamed Elneny. 
when you look at the fact that we've paid a minimal fee for Jorginho in comparison to some of the other money that's been thrown around in this window, and you look at the fact that he's only been signed on an 18-month contract, I think actually Arsenal have come away from this quite well. Now, was he the first choice? No, we know that. But Arsenal have shown an ability to be able to pivot away from one target to the next and wrap up a deal for the second choice, if you like, uh, when when time's running out and when it looks like, or, or when they've given up essentially on their first choice. So that's an improvement from Arsenal as a football club and the way they operate, I think, during this window that we have to take into consideration. But look, to summarise on Jorginho, was he my first choice? Absolutely not. Is it a signing that I'm jumping up and down about? No, it's not. But is it a signing that makes sense when you actually sit down, think about it, process it? I think it probably is. So I'm glad a lot of people have calmed down about it. Um, you know, the jury will be out for a lot of uh, a lot of fans, and I understand that. But now the window's closed. He is an Arsenal player. He's He's been pictured in the red and white of the Gunners. Let's get behind him. Let's support him. And let's hope that he can help us in our pursuit of a first Premier League title in a long, long time. Uh, so that's my take on Jorginho. Taking it on to, actually, do you know what? Let's quickly have a look at the comments. Let's see what you guys are saying before I take it on um, to the uh, to the next player. Uh, Zeus says, very good player. Only slight issue is that he's ex-Chelsea. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Steve says, I understand it's only peanuts in the grand scheme of things, but giving money to Chelsea leaves a bad taste. I understand where you're coming from, Steve. I do. You don't want to give money to a rival, especially a rival that was about to lose this player in the summer for, for zero pounds. You know, it feels like we've, you know, in some weird way, funded a part of their madness of a January transfer window. But at the end of the day, as Tom said, I think quite rightly on the show that we did together yesterday, they've got so much money to spend that it doesn't really make the slightest bit of difference. And if you can take some solace in that fact, then uh, then take it. Um, if not, kind of just is what it is, isn't it? If if Jorginho scores one goal, one penalty, or comes on in one game, um, beg your pardon, sneeze caught me unaware there. If he comes on in one game and helps us win it and earns us or contributes to us earning the additional three points that see us win the Premier League, then that £12 million would have been worth it. And I would have given Chelsea double that to get that kind of return. So let's just see how it goes. That's what I'll always say. You know, we looked at players that Arsenal brought in uh, in the summer before last, and we asked questions about them. And a lot of them have, have turned up and a lot of them have been really, really good and really great acquisitions. And so, as I've been saying throughout the last few days, there comes a point where you kind of have to back off the club a little bit. You know, I think they've earned our trust now. Doesn't mean you have to blindly agree with everything. But I think we have a responsibility because of how well they've done of late to A, trust them a little bit, but B, be very careful in the way we put those comments across because ultimately we don't want to kill this positive, brilliant atmosphere that we feel around the club at the moment um, because that's part of the reason why we've been successful. I genuinely believe that. I genuinely believe that the atmosphere, the mood around Arsenal Football Club has contributed to their progress in the last uh, sort of 12, 18 months. So let's not try and kill it by arguing over transfers, and I'm not saying you're doing this, Steve, but generally speaking, let's not kill that mood by arguing about transfers that might work out. And we've seen under Arteta and Edu that more work out than don't work out. So I think they've earned our trust. And that's why I'm I'm willing to kind of, you know, defend Jorginho until 
there's a reason not to. You know, he's an Arsenal player. And, and that's the kind of togetherness that I think as a lot of us fans feel now with the club. Like, that tribalism has come back. You know, whereas before, you got to that point where you're a little bit apathetic at times. And you'd look at it and people would say, Arsenal are this and Arsenal are that. And you'd go, well, do you know what? We are. Like, what do you want me to say? Whereas now... You feel like you want to fight for him. You feel like you want to fight for every single individual player. And if Jorginho is one of those players over the next 12 to 18 months and we get success out of it, then I'm happy with that. Uh, Mark says, uh, I'm just glad Chelsea didn't come in with a higher bid uh, for Jorginho. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matthew Lee says, uh, Jorginho's positional play is good. That's why he can tackle and intercept. Agreed. Uh, what else have we got? I'll take a couple more and then we'll move on uh, from Jorginho. Um, Moss says, I trust Mikel Arteta because I trust his judgment. I'll accept it, even though he's a player that I don't like at all. Um, Mohamed says, Jorginho is not the one we want, but if you ask me if it's, if, if you ask me him or nobody, I'd choose him and support uh, also the best for him and for our team. Exactly. You know, exactly. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box? I'll pick up a couple more. Um, uh, Zeus says Partey and Jorginho is the best DM depth in the league. Probably right there. I can't think of another two players as a combination that are better. Maybe some would argue Rodri and Calvin Phillips. Would you argue that? But yeah, I'm 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 content with a Jorginho signing. Is the way I would put it. Um, I think that's probably the best word to describe it. But let's take it on there. Let's talk uh, Jakub Kivio. Uh, the uh, Polish centre-half coming in from Spezia in Italy. Came out of the blue, this one. Um, not a player that many of us as fans had on our radar. Someone that's been highly rated in Italy. A left-sided centre-back was, as I've said to you guys multiple times during the window, something that I felt the squad was missing. Uh, a backup, a natural replacement for Gabriel, particularly with Pablo Marie out the door. But, you know... Did it need to happen in this window or could we have gone bigger on the midfielder or on the forward? You could make that case and you could make that argument. But Arsenal have clearly been watching this guy for a while. Arsenal clearly like him. Arsenal clearly felt there was an opportunity to get that deal done. Uh, now, it might have been a deal that would have cost them more money in the summer if Kivior had continued to perform at Spezia. You know, often when players perform in Serie A, particularly defenders, some of the bigger clubs from other countries come in and they try... Uh, to unsettle them and they offer the kind of money that unfortunately this day and age Serie A clubs just cannot afford to turn away. So, yeah, I, I mean, I like the idea of this signing. I like what I've seen of Jakub Kivio. Um, would I have done it in this window? If it were up to me, I probably would have waited and I probably would have gone bigger in one of the other two positions. But, you know, we've managed to strengthen three positions in this window and, and he's very much a part of that. Moving on to Leandro Trossard, uh, again, not the first choice. Clearly, we were trying to do a deal for Mikhailo Mudrik. But in terms of second choices, I don't think they get much better than uh, Leandro Trossard. And again, it's a very reasonable amount of money. It's a very savvy bit of business from Arsenal. He scores goals in the Premier League. He's proven that time and time again with Brighton. He's been a problem for us when we've come up against them in recent seasons. The circumstances in the situation uh, between him and Roberto De Zerbi and at Brighton and Hove Albion kind of opened the door for us. And again, I talked about Arsenal's ability to pivot away from, you know, a, a first choice target when they realise that they're not going to be able to do that deal. 
and be able to turn their attention elsewhere and process deals really, really quickly. And that's what they did with Leandro Trossard. We've seen a bit of him already. We saw a glimpse of him against Manchester United towards the end of that game at Emirates Stadium. And we saw him uh, for a, a good while at Manchester City in the FA Cup. And in both of those games, I thought he looked really lively. And I thought he looked as though he fits into this team really, really well. So credit to Arteta, credit to Edu uh, for getting that one done. And again, you know, I always say this, we can be obsessed with the future and buying players of like 21, 22 years old, but we've brought someone in that can come and help us now today. And that's what we needed at this stage in our development. We've done the heavy lifting with the youngsters. Edu alluded to that in the past. We're now at a point where we need to be able to find that balance. We need to sprinkle a little bit of experience into this very talented and exciting young squad to help us get over the line when it really, really matters. In terms of outgoings, well, there were a fair few. A lot of players left Arsenal on loan uh, this month. Brooke Norton Cuffey went to Coventry. Miguel Aziz went to Wigan. Uh, Arthur Okonkwo has gone out to Sturm Graz. Ovi Ejiheri has gone out to SJK. Uh, Harry Clark went to Ipswich Town on, on a transfer. Marquinhos loaned to Norwich. Omar Rekic on loan to Wigan. Uh, Butler Royadeji has gone out to Accrington Stanley on loan. Sambi Laconga has gone to Palace on loan. Taylor Foran has gone to Hartlepool on loan. And Cedric Suarez joined Fulham. The headline ones there are obviously going to be Albert Sambi Laconga and Marquinhos. Uh, we knew that Cedric was, was likely to leave. I'm not surprised by that. I don't think that took anybody by surprise, if we're being honest. Marquinhos to Norwich feels like a really good fit. He feels like someone that needs the, the game time, needs the football. And as I've said to you guys before, I genuinely believe that he would have been loaned out um, at the start of the season had Arsenal not had problems with Emil Smith-Rowe and Reese Nelson. I think what happened was that because of those issues, Arsenal felt that they were too short and so couldn't allow him to go. But there was always an idea or there was always a, an acceptance that when January came along, if they could get someone in and get a couple of those players back, then they would allow him to go. And Norwich feels like a decent fit. Um, good luck to Cedric Suarez. Got a lot of heat as an Arsenal player. Uh, I don't think he was ever as bad as some Arsenal fans would have you believe. I think he's a different type of fullback to the type of fullback that Mikel Arteta likes at the moment. And that's obviously worked against him. He needs to play football and he's going to join a Fulham team that are pushing for a European spot. So he can't be that bad, can he? Uh, it's a good move for him. It's a loan move. It is just a loan move for those of you asking in the chat. Um, and I genuinely wish him all the best. Hopefully, you know, he does well and and he can sort of get his career back on track because he's been obviously uh, very uninvolved this season. And that's not what you want uh, as, a, as a player, especially as a player at that stage of his career. You want to be playing week in, week out. Um, the other one I want to talk about is Lokonga. Now, this is where I think Arsenal have slightly dropped the ball. So, I'll go ahead and I'll give you my rating now out of 10. And then I'll explain why Lakonga comes into my rating quite a bit. So my rating for Arsenal's transfer window is six and a half out of 10. Now, some people will say that's harsh. Some people will say, well, hold on. It's at least a seven. Some have given it an eight. Some have given it as low as a four. I think these ratings will vary um, depending on who you talk to. But I'll give you my reasoning as to why I've gone with the six and a half out of 10 mark for Arsenal's January window. So you've got to break it down into certain categories. So did we get our primary uh, targets? Mikhailo Mudrik, Moises Caicedo? No. I don't want that to be too much of a knockdown because 
I understand that part of acquiring those guys is out of your hands as a football club. Okay. So what I mean by that is, you know, we, we knew what it was going to cost to get Madrid out of Shakhtar. Arsenal weren't willing to go that extra mile or maybe couldn't go that extra mile to get that deal done. So part of that is on Arsenal. Moises Caicedo, Brighton repeatedly told us that he wasn't for sale. Arsenal made more than fair offers for Moises Caicedo and Brighton still refused and dug their heels in. When it comes to Moises Caicedo in isolation, I don't think Arsenal should have done anything more to try and make that deal happen. I think at the price that was being talked about, it was already a massive risk. To go potentially further, I think, for Caicedo would have been madness. I honestly feel that. So on the Caicedo one, I'm less frustrated with Arsenal around that one. You you look at Brighton and you look at the way they dug their heels in and you look at the fact that, you know, they're in a good position in the league and they don't want to lose the player. And even if it means taking a 20, 30 million pound hit on his price in the summer, they're quite happy to do that so that they can continue to push for, for their goals and objectives this season. You know, we couldn't do much about that. I think to go further um, with Caicedo, as I say, would have been madness because he's simply not worth the money that was being talked about. Mikhailo Mudrik's a little bit different. And again, I would argue that he's not worth the money that Shakhtar were asking for. But Mikhailo Mudrik is a, is a wide man. He's a forward. And I think when you're a forward, you can command, generally speaking, a bigger transfer fee because you win games, you impact games, you score goals. And those are the most valuable commodities in football. You know, we can talk about great midfielders, great defenders, get all of that. I'm not dismissing the role of any player. I think all positions are important. But I think generally speaking, we do see attackers go for more money. And Mikhailo Mudrik has performed on the Champions League stage, which is something that Moises Caicedo hasn't done yet. And that obviously stands him in good stead and puts him in a position where people are putting him on a bit of a pedestal. Where I'm a little bit frustrated when it comes to Mudrik is, is not that Arsenal didn't pay the stupid money. It's that Arsenal seemingly wasted so much time on it. That's what drove me a little bit crazy. And you know, people will say, well, they believed that they could have got a deal done because the player wanted it at a much lower price if they just played the long game and held out, not knowing, obviously, that Chelsea were going to come in and swoop the way they did. But I just got a little bit frustrated by how long that one went on, how long that took. And then for us, in the end, to be blown out of the water by Chelsea was incredibly frustrating. As I say, I've got to give the club credit for managing to pivot really quickly getting it sorted with Leandro Trossard. Fair play for that. But one of the reasons I marked the window down is because we ultimately missed out on our two primary targets. Now, some of that's to do with us, some of it's not. The other thing that I think is is a problem is, is the midfield situation right now. I'd been saying to you guys for about a week that Mohamed Elneny's injury was serious and that Arsenal were trying to keep that under wraps because they didn't want to be entering transfer negotiations with people knowing for a fact. Yeah, people had their suspicions, but they didn't want people knowing for a fact that Mohamed Elneny was going to be out for the rest of the season because that would have strengthened the negotiating position of the selling club. But when you think about this and you think about it logically, yes, we've brought Jorginho in to come and cover Thomas Partey. And yes, he's of a closer profile than Sambi is. And, and so it makes sense in that sense. But Elneny's out. You've let Lekonga go out on loan to Crystal Palace. And so we're in a position now where we've brought one midfielder in and we've essentially lost two. 
One of them through injury, of course, but we've lost two players. So are we stronger in terms of depth? I think we're stronger in the sixth position because I think Jorginho is a better option than what we had. But now we're a little bit weaker in the eighth position because Sambi, who could have played there, is now gone. Can Fabio Vieira do that role? I'm not sure. The jury's still out on that for me. Can Emil Smith-Rowe do that role? Not sure um, at this stage. So can you see what I'm saying? I I understand that they've invested money in Sambi Lakonga, right? And it hasn't really worked at this point. And clearly, internally, there have been discussions. And the conclusion they've come to is that the only way we're going to see Sambi progress is if he plays week in, week out. And if he plays in a role that is better suited to him. So they've looked at Lakonga and they've said, right, you need to go out and you need to play football. They're almost kind of gambling a little bit with our depth in order to let Lakonga go out and produce and perform and grow in confidence, hopefully, so that they can eventually get a return on their investment. If Sammy Lakonga goes to Crystal Palace and has a really good second half of the season, what's to say that Crystal Palace won't come in and say, we really like this player. Here's 15, 20 million for him in the summer. In which case, then Arsenal are in a great position because you either go, actually, he's fantastic. We'll have him back. Thank you for developing him. Thank you very much. Back you come. Or you say, OK, cough up the money. And then Arsenal have recuperated their initial investment. This is where Arsenal are putting business at the centre of a lot of what they're doing uh, in the transfer market. Whereas in the past, it was very scattergun. There wasn't much planning. So although it's a positive that Arsenal clearly have a plan for Lokonga, and w whether that plan is to recuperate the money they spent on him or uh, to to develop him and bring him back and make him part of the squad, we don't know that yet. And they probably don't know that for sure yet. But they are, you know, trying to protect the value of the player. So that's fine. But I still go back to the point that, you know, we are, in terms of numbers, that little bit weaker. So a couple of down points for me, not getting the primary targets. Again, I attribute part of that to Arsenal and part of that to the selling clubs and the difficulties that they gave us. And the other bit is the fact that we've essentially got less numbers in midfield when the whole idea was to try and bolster those numbers. So those are a couple of things that mean for me, it's really difficult to give this more than a seven out of 10. Could I push my six and a half up to seven? Maybe, but I'm not going to do that. I think it's important that we transfer windows when you make assessments on them like I'm doing now, that you are open-minded about them because it can change. Things can change. Things can change very, very quickly in football. And as I've said to you guys on many a podcast in the past, you only really know the value of a transfer window 12, 24 months down the line when you see the benefits or not from it. And we're going to see whether this was a good transfer window for Arsenal, depending on how... Uh, they finish the season. If they go on and win the Premier League and having that greater depth has allowed us to do that, has allowed us to rotate in certain games, bring people off the bench, et cetera, et cetera, then we're going to look back on this and say it was a brilliant window. That's just the way football goes. We're all hindsight merchants at the end of the day. But my initial gut reaction and my kind of initial analysis of the window and rating of the window is a six and a half out of 10 for the reasons that I've just detailed. Okay, um, let me uh, know some of your thoughts. And you know what? Get some of your questions in. Let's do 10 minutes of questions 
before we wrap up this edition of the show. Remember, if you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. And uh, if you haven't done so already, then please do, uh, via the link in the description, subscribe to my brand spanking new YouTube channel, uh, where we'll be covering a wider variety of topics. The first video drops tonight. Uh, we'll be looking across the Premier League's uh, clubs and uh, we'll be discussing the business of all of the top six uh, in the Premier League. But we'll also uh, be, of course, uh, touching on a number of other clubs who I think have had interesting windows by some of the winners and losers of the January transfer window. So, yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, check it out. I've already recorded that. It will be going out a little bit later on this evening. Uh, but if you could subscribe to the channel in advance, I'd be so so grateful uh, for that. We're on uh, 964 subscribers at the time of recording, and uh, I'd love to get to that thousand mark this evening. That would be amazing. We're what, 36 away? It's not a million miles away, you know. Um, when you consider how many of you are with us now, it should be um, it should be pretty easy. Okay. Uh, also, if you want to check out our premium content, you can do that by visiting us on another slice. If you want to taster of what our premium content looks like, feels like, sounds like, we have put an episode or we've unlocked an episode and released it earlier today in which I broke down how I value Arsenal's starting eleven, given that I think the transfer prices these days have gone absolutely crazy. So how much do I rate Ramsdale at? How much do I weight, uh, rate White at? And the rest of the starting eleven, you can find out by checking out that video. It is available to everybody now. Um, it was uh, available from Sunday to our Another Slice members. Most of the content that we make for our Another Slice members will not go out uh, to the wider audience because, you know, they they obviously are contributing and helping and stuff. And, and I, you know, what would be the point in them being signed up if I gave everybody the same stuff? But from time to time, we will drop a piece uh, a little bit later after it's posted for people to kind of get a feel, people who are maybe on the fence about signing up. Uh, just to give you guys an idea of what it is exactly we are doing over there. Okay. Um, any questions? Any thoughts? Let's take a couple of these before uh, we bid you farewell. Leeds Gunner says, could it all go wrong for Chelsea if they fail to qualify for Europe or will they ride it out? That could be disastrous, couldn't it? I mean, I, in the video that I'm releasing later on my new channel, Another plug there. Subscribe to it. Link in the description. Um, we do, I do talk about the fact that I think on paper, they've brought in lots of talent. But the question is, how does Graham Potter make this work? How does Graham Potter, um, you know, put all these pieces together and get a tune out of them? I, I, Graham Potter, prior to this window, in my opinion, had no idea what his best 11 was. Now you add all these additional players to the mix. How is he supposed to get this right? It's going to be really tough for him. And I don't think it's what he wants either. Uh, which is probably really frustrating for him on a personal level. Uh, Strife says, hi, Harry, not feeling uh, Jorginho, not going to lie. He's past his best and it feels like when we fail in the market, we revert to Chelsea pensioners. Nothing against him. And now uh, he's here. We will support him. Uh, what else have we got? <laughs> Mark on my valuations of the whole team. He says, is it still less than what Chelsea spend in one window? Yeah, probably. Um Vlad says, Harry, do you think the logic behind letting Lekonga go on loan? Because we are more likely to see Emil Smith-Rowe get a run out in Xhaka's position. You could have a point there. That could be what Arsenal are looking at and what Arsenal are thinking. As I mentioned just a few seconds ago, you know, Smith-Rowe is probably seen as an option there. Yeah, so I agree with you. 
question is, can he do it? Not look, he we know he can do it on the ball. Can he do it off the ball? Can he do what Granite Xhaka does off the ball in terms of the positions that he drops into and the awareness that he has? That would be my big question mark over it. But yeah, it's a it's a fair assumption to make uh, given what we've seen Arsenal do. Uh, Leeds Gunner says, is our relationship uh, with Brighton really damaged or is it a media narrative? I don't think it's damaged. Um, Arsenal have a good relationship with Brighton or had a good relationship with Brighton going into this window. Um, what did Arsenal do wrong? They made a couple of bids. You know, that was it. Um, they didn't do anything further. The player himself was the one that came out and and sort of started to publicly talk about the move. That wasn't something that Arsenal did. Maybe it was something his agents advised him to do. I don't know. But I don't think Arsenal have done anything untoward. Um, if Brighton have a problem, quite frankly, they need to get over it because, um, yeah, it's not... I don't think that it ever got to that point where it got so messy that one side can have the arse about anything. Uh, Mark says, Harry, do you think we'll go back for Caicedo in the summer or have Arsenal burnt their bridges with Brighton? Similar question. I don't think Arsenal have burnt their bridges with Brighton, but I'll tell you this. I don't think Arsenal will go in with as much money for Caicedo in a summer window. Um, you know, maybe they like him enough to go back again. Um, but I think they were happy to pay a premium to get the deal done in January. Um, but I don't think they'll be as open to paying a premium, regardless of what happens between now and the season. Uh, when it comes to the summer window. I think that will give them more time to assess their options. We know they were looking at Zubimendi of Real Sociedad as well, who didn't want to leave his club mid-season. So maybe they'll turn back to him, knowing exactly what that release clause is and how that can work. Um, you know, maybe that's already earmarked for the summer. We don't know. But I, I don't think that there's a major issue between Brighton and Arsenal, um, just sort of reading between the lines. And, you know, may, yeah, obviously, if they like Caicedo and they were willing to spend that type of money on him, that suggests that they won't just go off him in the space of six months. But as I say, I don't think they'll go back in with the same level of um, with the same level of uh, of offer as they had previously. Uh, Mohammed says, where is the link for the new channel? Do not see it, Harry. Put it here if possible. It's in the description, my friend. If you click on the description of this video. You'll see it right at the bottom there. Uh, Inny says, I think you missed my super chat, Harry. Bear with me, my friend. I'm sorry. I must have missed that as the comments were updating. Let me go back and find it one second. Here we go. He says, hey, Harry, this window, as well as the summer and our intent to spend, has me asking two questions. What has changed and why are we so cash strong? Um, what has changed? I think. If you go back to when KSE took over full control of the club, I think you can go back that far to, to sort of start pinpointing when it changed. Um, the Super League was a big trigger point. I think the reaction to that was a big trigger point. But I think at the same time, there were a lot of players in that club that, you know, Arsenal didn't feel were worthwhile long-term investments that the previous regimes had signed on to big deals and big contracts and, and maybe the decks needed to be cleared before Arsenal were willing to make that level of investment again. I think the fact that they have a manager and a sporting director whom they trust has, has been key here. You know, I think if you're an employer and you trust your employee, you're more likely to give them what they tell you they need to complete their job and the results are there for everybody to see. And the more you see results and believe something's moving in the right direction as an investor, the more likely you are to put money in. We know that KSC restructured a lot of the club's debt, um, which has been a massive help in terms of freeing up funds. Um, and, you know, 
we're on the course to get back into the Champions League, which will help ease some of the uh, the financial outlay that we've seen in recent times. And that's great as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, full control, the reaction to the Super League was a big deal. I think the fact that Josh has taken a more hands-on approach at the club has, has also played a big part. And I think that just sort of believing in the project and the hype of it and the direction in which things are traveling has um, has led to them being a little bit more willing maybe to take risks that maybe three years ago, four years ago, they weren't willing to even think about. So, yeah, um, it's a really good question. Um, and, and we could probably do a whole show on that. Uh, so I won't bore you all with it now. But, you know, uh, in terms of me, not your question, in terms of me going back and talking about the whole journey. Uh, but yeah, it's a really interesting question, a good one. And, and thank you as well uh, for your very, very kind donation, my friend. Um, I am going to leave it there. Actually, I'm going to take this one last question. Uh, Adair says, not transfer related. It's the first non-transfer related question we've probably had in weeks. Amazing. We can forget about it now and focus fully on the football. He says, do you think Matt Turner could have done better on Ake's goal versus City? His positioning seemed off to me. Wow, really left field question this. Um, no, I don't. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Because where I was sitting in the press box, I was right behind, like the angle was was right behind Nathan Ake. And, I, and even I thought when Nathan Ake ran onto the ball that he didn't really have anywhere to put it. He obviously uses the defender and, and sort of puts it around the defender and finishes it brilliantly. But I think Matt Turner's view was obstructed. Um, and obviously Matt Turner was in, one position because Grealish had the ball wide and he had to be prepared in the event that it came across his near post. And then the ball quickly comes back to Nathan Ake and he's got to try and see around the defender. and He doesn't have an awful lot of time to adjust himself. Ake takes it on first time as well. I think it's really harsh. I thought Turner had a decent game. I quite like Turner. I just don't feel comfortable when he's got the ball at his feet, but hopefully he can develop in that area and hopefully uh, we see the best of him to come. Uh, what else have we got? Um, ironic Arsenal says, uh, Hey Harry, you think, uh, why have you got a picture of Charles Watts? I don't understand. Uh, Hey Harry, do you think Arsenal would have signed Casado had we signed Mudrick? I feel Mudrick and Jorginho was the plan at first. I don't know, man. Um, I really don't know. I don't think they'd have been able to go up as high as they did for Casado if they spent what they were going to spend or what was required to get Mikhailo Mudrick out. Um, but it's difficult to know, isn't it? I mean, I think it was Darmish Seth on Sky Sports said yesterday that the signing of Jorginho was not instead of Caicedo, that if there was a deal to be done for Caicedo, despite Arsenal having wrapped up Jorginho, they would have done that as well. But again, how do we know that? We don't. Thank you all uh, so, so much. Uh, really, really appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Remember, don't forget to leave a like on the video. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Check out uh, my How Much Is Arsenal Starting Eleventh uh, video that released earlier on today. Let me know what you think about that. Get involved with your thoughts in the comments. And I will see you all very, very soon. Until next time, all the best. And um, maybe we'll take a day off tomorrow and then preview the Everton game on Friday and get back into the swing of actual football. It's been a hectic few days. I'm so glad it's over. See you all soon. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Sim.